0: Log Talk Radio.
1: From Lives in the Balance, the nonprofit organization committed to advocating on behalf of behaviorally challenging kids and their caregivers, this is Dr. Ross Green. Welcome to Collaborative Problem Solving at Home. I'm delighted that you were able to join in. This program airs live each Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern time during the school year. We explore a variety of topics aimed at helping you better understand and help your challenging child and implement the collaborative problem-solving approach at home. If you have a question or comment, call 347-994-2981. If you call in, you'll be muted until I bring you on the air. And now, let's talk about your challenging child and what we can do to help you Make things better. Hello there. Welcome to today's program. I'm uh, delighted that you've been able to join in either live or by listening to one of the recordings, either through your iPod or through the Live in the Balance website or through any of the other various means that people listen to the program. Um, we don't have too many programs left this year, um, I think today and Two more, and we have a lot of questions lined up uh, for today, Um, so we're going to get to those pretty soon, but um, we do have a caller already today, and callers take priority on this program, and so um, I think we're going to head straight to the phones. Let me give you that call-in number again, though, 347-994-2981. Do call in. Today's a good day for it. Boy, didn't we have a... uh, I loved last week's program on spanking um, and the damage done. Um, I thought that was some great information for people. But now let's go to our caller from area code 518. How are you today?
0: I'm doing pretty good. Thank you.
1: Good. What's on your mind?
0: I'm calling about my one of my sons specifically, but I have two boys, identical twins, eight years old, both with ADHD. One is doing fabulous, both very smart. They read at like a fifth and sixth grade level. They're wonderful kids. Um, my one son just started in like February having some explosions at school, so we really tried to get on top of it. But the collaborative problem-solving thing, I just started on Thursday with his counselor at school. So we are like babies at this, brand new. Okay. So this morning, one of the, one of the things that we're working on, two things, explosions to school and hurting his brother, because that hurts so many people when he hurts his uh, his brother. Okay. He managed to hurt his brother in the hallway right then and there as we're walking out to school. What do you do when you already are working on empathy and you've got a couple ideas you you know we're just starting what do you do right there in the moment i've got a scared you know hurt kid and a an upset kid who's angry and wasn't able to express it well
1: well you've just asked my least favorite question but that's okay it's still a question that's important to answer but what you do in the heat of the moment is my advice actually doesn't differ from anybody else's good advice. Okay. Your key words are defuse, de-escalate, keep everybody safe. Yes. That's it's what that you
0: incredibly it. violent. You know, it's just I'd like to get before we're, you know, drawing blood and really damaging each other.
1: Defuse, de-escalate, keep everybody safe. Okay. But now I'll tell you why it's my least favorite question, because you're already in the heat of the moment. Now, right. Here's here's the deal. You are, as you've just told us, very early in the process of implementing and learning about collaborative problem solving, yes? Yes.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: So you've identified two things for us, going after his brother, and tell me what you told us about school. I forgot already.
0: Oh, he gets, he explodes at school. Explodes at school, um, okay. At his, at his teacher, yes. You know, he's not hitting anybody there. This seems to be, you know, saved for his brother.
1: Got it. So – Here's the bad news. Exploding (coughs) at school, once he's exploded, it's already too late. You're already in the heat of the moment. Once he's hitting his brother, it's already too late. You're already in the heat of the moment. So Mm -hmm. um, the good news is that there is a better time to intervene than in the heat of the moment. The bad news is I promise you, you are working on more than two things. Oh. Oh, yeah. And here's what I mean. I'm betting that hitting his brother occurs in a variety of different circumstances.
0: Correct.
1: I'm betting that exploding at school occurs in a variety of different circumstances. Correct. And we need we need to identify each specific circumstance. I call them unsolved problems in yep. which um in which a child is exploding at school or hitting his brother or exhibiting any of the other behaviors that we wish a child wasn't exhibiting. So here's my strongest possible recommendation. I know you've asked, what should I do in the heat of the moment? You just got that one answer, defuse, okay. de-escalate, keep everybody safe, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The problem is, of course, if all we're busy doing is defusing, de-escalating, and keeping everybody safe, then we're not solving anything. Right. The first step in implementing this model is to sit down. sounds like you have a good relationship with the folks at school, and they want to learn how to do this too, yes?
0: Yes, and my whole family. Their aunt, their grandmother, everybody thinks
1: it's a great idea. Perfection. Gather everybody together, sit down, whoever you think is relevant to this discussion. Okay. And print out from the Lives in the Balance website, from the paperwork section, the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems.
0: We've done that already.
1: Good. Have you have you had the discussion using the LSIP?
0: Um, the guidance counselor is going to start with Noah at school using that. And the teachers filled it out. We've identified some lagging skills exactly. And I haven't showed it to Noah at home, but I've used it for myself and bought it home. And I have the bow chart. Yeah. And we started to fill that out specifically for hurting his brother. That's how we okay. labeled it.
1: Now, you, there's there's one thing you're doing with it that you don't want to do with it. Okay. The good. Uh, well, number one, I don't think of the LSF as primarily a checklist, and I don't think of it as something that is primarily used with the kid. I think that this okay. is a discussion guide for adults. This is a discussion that adults want to have amongst themselves. What are the lagging skills that are making it difficult for this child. Mm-hmm. Now we want to come to sort of a consensus about what those lagging skills are. That's why I don't think of the ELSEP as a freestanding checklist. I think of it as a discussion guide. But it's more an adult discussion than it is a discussion with the child. Not that you're not talking about stuff with your child. But then comes the most important part. By the way, And the reason we're talking about lagging skills is so that we have the right lenses on. Mm-hmm. Because I'd rather talk about him having difficulty making transitions than be saying things about him that are completely inaccurate, like he's manipulative, attention-seeking, coercive, unmotivated, limit-setting, etc. I'd rather oh, yeah. no. be talking about the skills he's lacking, right? Right. But then yeah. comes the next important part. We want to talk about the specific conditions – now, you know what I call them, unsolved problems. And this yep. is that unsolved problem section on the LSIP. It's the place where there's those empty boxes because you're going to be writing them in.
0: Right. These specific
1: okay. situations in which your son is having a lot of trouble. Now, the trouble he's having is the behavior he's exhibiting, but those are not your unsolved problems. So hitting his brother would not be an unsolved problem. okay the conditions in which he's hitting his brother are the unsolved problems. So now let's let's put you to the test. I'm gonna put you on the spot here. You ready? Yeah I am. Tell me about a specific condition or situation in which he hits his brother.
0: Okay. Um we are missing they're twins, so we have a lot of the same exact things that they both like they like a lot of the same things. We yeah. have two hats. Identical what? hats. Cats. Hats? Cats that you wear on your head?
1: Caps, got it.
0: Yeah, and the one boy was bringing out the one. he, he may, Tanner likes them both to have their caps. It doesn't matter. But Tant, Noah wanted the one that his brother had.
1: Tr- try not to use and names, it, by the way. Don't don't I'm use real sorry. names because I want to keep them anonymous. I
0: understand. That's fine. Keep so going. His brother br- gives him the cap he wants him to use. He wants the other cap that his brother already has. Got it. Boom, we're going to grab the other one by the hood and swing him around a little bit until he gives right. us the hat.
1: So here's the, here's the deal. But now you now I know an unsolved problem. Okay. Not, not the swinging them around. That's what happens in response to the unsolved problem. Okay. But the unsolved problem, the problem we need to solve, is disagreements, difficulty agreeing on what caps to wear. That's the unsolved problem. Does that make sense?
0: I see what you're saying. So blanketing it with don't hit your brother, don't, or hands off your brother?
1: Behavior doesn't give
0: him the tools to. It's the behavior. Okay.
1: This is a crucial point because he's well, hitting his brother heart under. Heart. He's hitting his brother under a variety of different circumstances.
0: Yes, I mean sometimes when it seems to us like he just felt like it.
1: Well, it I'm sure that's like how it feels. <laughs>
0: I'm,
1: I'm sure that's how it feels, but the, but also it's also true that there are, are many times when he's not hitting his brother.
0: Absolutely, and we try to so, really emphasize.
1: Right. That. But you, you can you can emphasize that sometimes he doesn't and sometimes he does, but you're going to get a whole lot further solving the problems that are causing him to hit his brother in the first place. Right. This is very important. This is this is one of the ways in which people get confused about this. They end up focusing on the behavior and end up not focusing on the unsolved problems that cause the behavior. Here's here's what I can tell you. Okay. If you solve the cap problem, he's not going to be hitting his brother in response to the cat problem anymore because it's solved.
0: Okay. Okay, so Make it's got to be that. It does. It's just, it's very hard. It's hard to break it down like that. It's a lot harder than you think.
1: We just did it.
0: Right. Okay.
1: We just did it. They need to do the same thing at school. You said he's exploding at school. We can't work on exploding at school. It's too big. It's happening under too many different situations in response to too many specific unsolved problems. But if we figure out what the unsolved problems are and solve them, he's not going to be exploding about them anymore. But it does require getting to that level of specificity. It's not the behavior we're interested in. It's the unsolved problem setting in motion the behavior. I got you. So, so let's, let's a... help you with one more, just because I think that this is a good, this is informative okay. for many people who are listening to this either live or not right now. Tell me another unsolved problem at home that causes I... friction for him. Does and it causes have to be to... home? No.
0: Okay. Yesterday at school. He was taking a math test, and he's a little fidgety because of the ADHD, so that's, you know, blah, 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 whatever. He was chewing and playing with a ruler that he was supposed to also use for said math test. Yes. The substitute teacher took the ruler away.
1: Oh, boy. Ba-boom.
0: Anger beyond anything he knew how to deal with, and off Mm -hmm. to the office he went, where he doesn't get in trouble. Everyone is very much trying to help him, but he lost it.
1: Well, they're not, they're not going to help him if they're focused on the behavior he exhibits. They're going to f- help him most if they're focused on the unsolved problems that are setting that behavior in motion. So in that case, and here's the interesting thing about that one. Um, sounds like a one-timer to me. He doesn't usually have the substitute teacher, and she doesn't usually take the ruler away. We can go with it.
0: Right. But you the like something problem is? a little
1: difficulty when the substitute teacher took away the ruler is okay. the unsolved problem.
0: Okay. That's okay? specific.
1: Going crazy beyond words is the behavior. What set the behavior in motion? Substitute teacher taking away ruler during math test. That's a very specific unsolved problem. Right. Am I making sense?
0: It does. It does. It's, you really have to narrow. You really have to narrow it down.
1: Now here's the deal. What you're going to end up with if you do it this way, and this is this is you sitting down with whoever is involved with the kids at home, and you sitting down with whoever's involved with the kids at school, and not only agreeing on what lagging skills are coming into play for that child, mm-hmm. but also what's going to be end up being a relatively long list of unsolved problems.
0: Oh yeah, not, a lot more. That,
1: that's where your plan B flowchart is going to come into play because you're not going to be able to fix to solve all of those problems at once. The plan B flowchart helps you identify which unsolved problems you want to start working on first. Okay. If you try to solve all of those problems at once, you will end up solving none of them at all because it's too many. For everybody, too many for the adults and too many for the your son. We want to work on maybe three at a time, right? Separately, of course. Get those solved and move on to more. Little by little, the unsolved problems will get solved, and the challenging behaviors that are associated with those unsolved problems will subside.
0: Because if we figure out a way to do a uh, a cap handoff without anyone getting wet.
1: No reason for anybody to get whacked.
0: Right. The next time we need to do a remote control for the Wii handoff, maybe he will have acquired some skills that makes that part go smoother.
1: Maybe, maybe not. You'll find out. Maybe,
0: maybe not. But that's the theory, right?
1: Well, um, I take them one unsolved problem at a time. And when I get, what you're talking about is what we might call generalization, which is a fancy word for saying fixing one solve, unsolved problem gave the child the skills to, to solve another without our help. Right. Early on, I think that's probably not going to happen. As time goes okay. on, I think that that's more likely to happen. Okay. Um, but I don't, I don't know if solving the CAP handoff problem is going to solve the WE handoff problem. It's conceivable, and you might have to point this out to your son uh, early on, that the solution that we came up with the cap to the cap problem may well also help us with the we problem, uh, but you may have to point that out to him. Okay. In the meantime, I would think of the we problem as completely separate from the cap problem. Okay. Over a but long then- period of time, you may start to see that solving one problem Knocked several birds off the fence at once, but I wouldn't expect that early on.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Now, I want to offer the invitation to you that I offer to everybody, because you're new at this. You're, over the next several weeks, going to be doing, I hope, Plan B on several very specific unsolved problems. Yes. If you need help because you run into trouble, and by the way, This has nothing to do with you. I've I've never met you, so it couldn't possibly have anything to do with you. The likelihood that you will struggle with Plan B is high. Yeah, you think? Yeah.
0: It's very hard. It's a whole different way way of thinking.
1: The the thing that gets people good at Plan B is struggling with Plan B. So as you're struggling, we don't want you thinking, I'm terrible at this, it's time to throw in the towel. We want you thinking, I'm struggling with this. And Green said that if I struggle with it, eventually I'll get good at it. So good that I'm struggling with it, because he said struggling with it's the best way to get good at it.
0: I'm writing that down.
1: <laughs> Don't get discouraged. Uh, it's hard in the beginning till you get your Plan B C legs under you, and then it gets increasingly not quite so hard. Okay. But here's the invitation. We've got two programs left. If you want to call in for guidance on trouble that you're running into with Plan B, Do the exact same thing you did today. Call in, and um, we'll try to help you out.
0: Okay, I will. Good luck with it. Thank you very much.
1: Take care. Thanks for calling in. Bye. Bye -bye. Bye-bye. Wow, always great to hear from people who are new and need a little fine-tuning, and that is one of the things about the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems. It does tend to confuse people because a lot of people, just by either training or by just, this is what's bugging us the most, um, we focus on a behavior. And this is different. You're focused on the unsolved problems that are setting in motion the behaviors. When the problem gets solved, the behaviors subside. Crucial. And now, not only does mom know that, but lots of other folks who listen to this program know that. Shall we turn our attention? Let's see if we have any other callers. We don't at the moment. Let me give you that number again. 347-994-2981. Here's uh, an email. Uh, Dr. Green, I have begun recently begun listening to your podcast um, and also as of the last four months just started getting into the CPS approach with my five-year-old. Good for you. My question for you is this. My five-year-old son has challenging behaviors quite similar to the children you'd outline in the explosive child. The issue is that when I try to talk to him using CPS, it tends to make him more irritated than really helping him. And then he just shuts down and then tells me he's done talking to me. Is there an approach with younger children that is more effective, or is it just that it takes time to get into a groove? We are also quite lucky to be working with a therapist who uses your c p s approach but wanted to get your perspective as well. Thanks, really enjoy your podcast. You're very welcome and now here's the answer. There's one piece that I'm not clear on uh I don't know and by the way, this is another question that's coming up today, so we're going to answer this question momentarily. but I don't know if the plan if the reason your son is getting more irritated is because you're doing emergency plan B instead of proactive plan B. I don't know the answer to that. The information about that is not contained in your message. So my first pass at this is try doing proactive plan B if what you're really using is emergency plan B, because emergency plan B has – it's there if you need it, I always say. But emergency plan B brings into play – some ingredients that are um not conducive to the collaborative solving of problems heat as in the heat of the moment and rush uh as in we don't have much time here we're in a hurry we're it's not ideal timing for us to try to solve a problem together those same factors often make it um make kids more irritated and the demand for talking in the heat of the moment and when we're rushed can Cause many kids who would be talking with us proactively to not talk with us and become more irritated with us emergently. So my first pass at this is, if you're using emergency plan B, switch over to proactive plan B and let's see what happens next. All right, let's say that what you're using is proactive plan B. And by the way, if you're using emergency plan B, then the discussion I just had with the mom who called in is going to be very important to you because... People who are using a lot of emergency Plan B often are using a lot of emergency Plan B because they haven't yet figured out what unsolved problems, the whole array of unsolved problems that are setting in motion challenging episodes and haven't yet decided which ones are their high priorities. That's Plan B and which ones are not their high priorities. Plan C, those are the ones they're not working on right now, in which case they still feel like they're working on everything because They're still waiting for problems to, quote-unquote, pop up before they start working on them. And when they pop up, they're working on them emergently. That's why that assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems, it's in the paperwork section of the Lives in the Balance website, is so important. The lagging skills section helps you get the right lenses on. The unsolved problems helps you know what you're working on. And the Plan B flowchart helps you know which unsolved problem you've prioritized so that you can work on it, work on them, proactively. Otherwise, you feel like a chicken running around with its head cut off. I don't like the imagery there, but, well, that's the phrase. You feel like a chicken with its head cut off, bouncing from one unsolved problem to another, trying to solve all of them emergently. Mm -mm. You don't want to be doing it that way. Let's say you are doing it proactively. Um, you said that your child is five years old. Now, that that alone uh, is not a deciding factor. I've done Plan B with two-year-olds. I've done Plan B with five-year-olds and had a much easier time of it than some of the 17-year-olds I've done Plan B with. Chronological age is not the issue. Whether your child... Has the language processing and communication skills to participate in Plan B, that could be an issue. Worst case scenario, um, you could do Plan B on Plan B. I mean, what you're really interested in here is information, but the direction you've gone in is you, you want to. Know if there's a way to do this with younger kids, and to tell you the truth, I don't, except for sort of my demeanor and perhaps the words I use, I don't do this differently with five year olds than I do with 17 year olds. But if a child is lacking the language processing and communication skill to participate, then irrespective of age, we may have some adjustments to make. And I've done a few programs on that, um, and so I'm not going to. Go into that right now. Um, But that's one possibility. But the worst-case scenario is you do plan B with your son proactively to find out why talking with him is so hard for him. And maybe he'll be able to talk enough to let you know why that is. Now, you haven't said anything. Number one, in answer to another part of your question, does it take time to get into a groove? Yes. Yes. All you're really doing here in the empathy step is trying to gather information so that you understand your uh, son's concern or perspective on the unsolved problem you're trying to talk with him about. Now, you know, there's lots of other reasons that kids get irritated and don't talk in Plan B. Uh, Maybe he thinks he's in trouble. Maybe the unsolved problem you're asking him about, and this relates to the first caller today, maybe the unsolved problem you're asking him about is not specific enough. Maybe you started out in plan A and then tried to segue over to plan B. All possibilities for why a child might get irritated in plan B. So I don't know if I would count on getting into a groove. I think I'd count on trying to figure out what it is about trying to gather information from your son about a specific unsolved problem, what's hard about that for him? And you've now heard many possibilities for why that might be. Let's turn to another question. Uh, Hello, we have been having a lot of difficulty with our five-year-old son. Yesterday's five-year-old day. He has been suspended twice from pre-K. We have identified that he is lacking in the areas of frustration tolerance and and impulse control. That's a good start. His outbursts are always directed at the teachers as he gets along wonderfully with his peers. Is five too young to implement collaborative problem solving. We have found that Plan A does not work at home with him, and it is even less effective in the school setting. Well, now you've heard my answer to the five-year-old part. Wouldn't stop me. But I'd like to know, just going back to some other parts of your message, I want to know even more specific skills besides frustration, tolerance, and impulse control, and the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems is going to help me do that. Once again, you can get that information. You can download the ALSIP from the paperwork section of the Lives in the Balance website outbursts are always directed at the teachers. I guess they're the ones who are probably doing what you said in the next sentence. I guess they're the ones who are doing Plan A. So I guess we need a list of unsolved problems, the problems the teachers are trying to solve using Plan A that's causing your son to blow up. To have outbursts. And I can tell you this, suspending a kid from pre-K, suspending a kid from any grade, isn't going to solve those problems. All it's going to do is teach him right from wrong. And I think he knows right from wrong already. Suspending kids doesn't solve problems no matter how old they are, and suspending a kid from pre-K makes even less sense than suspending a kid from some other grade, which makes no sense already. So now that tells you how little sense suspending a kid from pre-K makes. And here's the good news. That stuff is starting to make the newspaper. I mean, I hope that your son hasn't been in the newspaper for getting suspended from pre-K. But here's the good news. This is now part of the national discussion, especially in the United States and in Canada. Suspending a kid from pre-K makes no sense. Figuring out what skills a kid is lacking Identifying these specific unsolved problems that are reliably and predictably setting in motion his outbursts. Solving those problems with him collaboratively so that the problems are durably solved and so that the skills your child is lacking that are setting in motion his outbursts are taught. Helping adults understand why Plan A doesn't get the job done. That's how it's done. Ready for another email. I'll just check to see if we have any other callers. We do not Good. We have a a little bit more time for our emails. Uh, Hello, Dr. Green. I have just become familiar with your collaborative problem-solving approach and need to spend more time with your books and so forth, but after pouring through the website, I have not found any discussion of emergency plan B. While I realize that this is not when we would ideally start the program, and it sounds like emergency plan B is less than ideal, is this something that might be helpful as we try to get plan B working or get the plan working? Or is it not mentioned because in reality it is not encouraged until Plan B is working in less trying times. Thanks. Uh, You're welcome. And yes, that's exactly right. I don't emphasize Emergency Plan B because um, we don't want people doing Emergency Plan B. As I said earlier in the program, it's there if you need it, but you don't want to need it. Uh, Emergency Plan B is there if you need it because... Something popped up, and it wasn't one of the things that you were working on. Well, not one of your high-priority unsolved problems that you're trying to solve with proactive plan B. There's emergency plan B. It's there if you need it. But I think of emergency plan B under those conditions as sort of a de-escalation tool. Because I really, really think that you're much better off if you want to be successful at solving a problem collaboratively and durably you want to be doing it proactively. And, yes, that does require figuring out what those unsolved problems are ahead of time. Once again, that's where the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems comes in. You want to decide which ones are your high priorities so that you know which ones you're working on. Once again, that's plan B. And which ones you're not working on, once again, that's plan C. You want to organize the effort Um Why don't I talk much about emergency plan B? Because we want people solving problems proactively 99.9% of the time. It's just much more effective that way. What else can I tell you about emergency plan B? I I really spend very little time talking about emergency plan B. The the steps are the same. You're, You're still trying to get the child's concerns on the table. You're still then trying to get your concerns on the table, and you're still trying to come up with a mutually satisfactory solution, so it's there if you need it, just that it all occurs, as I said earlier, with added heat, which makes it far more difficult, and when you're in a rush, which makes it far more difficult, both for the adult and the kid, you want to organize the effort so that you know what you're working on and what you're not. And so that you can solve problems proactively. Because the reality, and I say this frequently, is that unsolved problems don't just pop up. We know they're coming. We know they're coming. They're predictable. If they're predictable and we know they're coming, then we don't want to wait until we're stuck in the heat of the moment yet again with what is probably a highly predictable unsolved problem. We don't want to rely on that to solve the problem. Bad timing. And I think that's all I have to say about emergency plan B. But if I've missed something that you were hoping I would talk about with emergency plan B, I would be delighted to respond again. Just email back. By the way, something we've started a little late in the game for this year, but not too late in the game for the program starting in September, um, when I answer a question on the program, we email, Lives in the Balance email, my uh, assistant, Allie, who's fantastic, emails the people who sent in their questions so that they know what program the question got answered on, and she provides a link um, so that you can listen to the program. Here's another message uh, Dr. Green, my son is 11 years old. His troubles appear mostly at school. There, he has trouble getting his work done. There's an unsolved problem, but we'd want to be more specific about it. And keeping quiet when he is supposed to. There's an unsolved problem, but we'd want to be more specific about that as well. I apologize for the editorializing. He is not aggressive, but has a lot of conflicts when he gets really angry. He gets physical, he can't stop himself. He has no diagnosis. Editorial comment. I'm not sure that would help. Back to the email. But has uh, taken an IQ test. Most of his results were average or above average except something called speed index where he was in the lower part of the average range. It said he had trouble reading and writing at the same time. His teachers says that he has a lot of trouble concentrating and with attention as well as hyperactivity and poor impulse control. In Sweden, that's where this email is from, Sweden, isn't that cool? More kids get diagnosed ADHD, uh, diagnosed every day. Look at how ADHD came out of my mouth. That's, of course, because the paragraph above said that he was inattentive, hyperactive, and impulsive. But it doesn't seem to lead to anything except sometimes medication. I fail to see how that can help them in the long run. I read about lagging developmental skills in the CPS model and finally found something that made sense. I would very much like to use it and try to help my son. Is it possible for me to work with him, even if most of his problems appear at school? We live in Sweden. CPS is not well known here. Uh, a lot of people doing collaborative problem solving in Sweden. I'll be back in Sweden for four days in August. Uh, one day talk in uh, Hovde. One day talk in Kalmar. Two day talk in Malma. Um, and a lot of people uh, are doing collaborative problem solving in Sweden. We might have to find a figure out if we can. Hook up with somebody there. And I think the chances of getting his teachers to embrace an American method are slim. Uh, people love collaborative problem solving in Sweden. Think So I think we're going to be okay there. On the plus side, they are good teachers, and what they do isn't so far from CPS. You know, maybe that's why uh, our friends in Sweden are so receptive to the model. All right, now let's answer your questions. Um, I uh, think that medication can help with inattention, hyperactivity, and poor impulse control, and it could help in the long run. That's one of the things, and there aren't that many things, but that's one of the things medication does well. Now, I I like that you want to be in problem-solving mode, too. And I like that you don't want to be completely reliant on medication, and I think that's exactly where you want to be. But I I don't know that on one of the things that medication does well, and the medications that are frequently used for inattention, hyperactivity, and poor impulse control have a side effect profile that is among the more tame, given the medications that are given to kids these days, I don't think you want to close the door on that potential option, unless there are other reasons that that option should have the door closed on it. But not because you don't think it could help him in the long run. It could help him in the long run. But you're right. Uh, you do want to try to teach skills at the same time, and you do want to solve problems at the same time that you are... Uh, Trying to reduce the hyperactivity, poor impulse control, and inattention. And I, I do think that you've got a decent shot at having people um be receptive to collaborative problem solving in Sweden. I, I don't know about other places, but uh in Scandinavia collaborative problem solving has been very well received. Um I'm glad the CPS model makes sense to you. And now to your final question, is it possible for you to work with him using collaborative problem solving, even though most of his problems appear at school? Well, possible for you to do the empathy step with him, even though most of his unsolved problems appear at school, so that you can at least gather information about them. But I think that it's probably going to be very important to bring the folks at school into the loop because those are his dance partners at school and we're going to need them to help us solve problems with them collaboratively. Very, very hard to solve problems without the dance partner uh, who the child is having difficulty with. So um, I look forward to being back in your country in about three months, and um, I can help you find people in Sweden who might be able to help you uh, Get back to us if you're listening to this, um, when you listen to this. um, Get back to me, and I'll see if we can find you somebody, because there are people in Sweden who are very familiar with collaborative problem solving. All right, final uh, email for today. Uh, Dr. Green, I have an 18-year-old son who has had problems for nearly all of his life. He is still in high school, a senior, and completely dependent on his mother and father, me and my, me and his dad. He is so much work, born that way and still is, and we are all physically and mentally exhausted by the struggle. We have been through counselors and doctors for the last eight years trying to get help for him. It was at his ninth hospital stay in 2011 that a doctor referred us for testing, and we've, for the first time, uncovered his lagging skills and unsolved problems and recommended that we read The Explosive Child. I have wept through most of it as it clearly defines our troubled son and how we, he and us, have spent years in agony and have been ostracized from our families as they don't understand him nor us for not thrashing him or kicking him out. My one question to you is, is it too late for him? Is he too old for this approach? Thank you. You're welcome, and thank you for your message. What a shame. Um, What a shame. Uh, The agony, um, the ostracization, doesn't have to be that way, and that's, of course, what the Lives in the Balance website is for. I'm so gratified that increasing numbers of people are finding it um that's what it's there for that's what the explosive child is there for but um nope it's never too late never too late this is a lifelong journey and just because you're finding collaborative problem solving later in the game than would have been ideal um Finding it when he's 18 is more ideal than finding it when he's 25. So I don't know that it matters where you are on the timeline of development. I'm glad you're now learning how to solve problems collaboratively, to gather information from your son so as to understand his concern or perspective on a given unsolved problem. I'm glad you're now viewing your son through the Right lenses, the lenses of lagging skills. I'm glad that you're learning how to identify specific unsolved problems, not behaviors, but the specific problems setting those behaviors in motion. I'm glad your son is going to finally get some problems solved. I'm glad that your relationship and the communication that goes along with collaborative problem-solving are likely to be improved as well. And I'm really glad that that's happening, irrespective of what age it's happening at. Is it ever too late? No, it's never too late to do all of that stuff. So thank you for your email, and I wish you the very best of luck on your journey. And I'm sorry to say that that is going to do it for us today on Parenting Your Challenging Child. As always, I'm delighted that you're listening in. I'm hoping you're finding all of this to be useful, and um, I'll be back next week with another program. Talk to you then.